Welcome to podcast number five, Treatment of the Mental Illness. Now, treatment of this disease is such a large area of discussion. Today, I'm, I am going to skip around a little bit and really just provide some thoughts about my own experiences. Now, as usual, this is not an official publication of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am just a long-term member who has bipolar. Last podcast, we discussed suicide. One of the terrible consequences when you don't treat the disease with the respect it deserves. This week's discussion, we're going to really talk about treatment um, and what you can do to manage your disease. Now, I'm not exactly going to talk about all the treatments you can find online. There's plenty of that information out there. And I also realize that I am wading in deep, into deep waters of a contentious controversy. I don't really want to talk about treatment for the sole reason that there's so much information and controversy as to what is a good treatment and what is not. Now, this is especially true in the world of medication, and I have no intent on walking through all of the medications. In the world of medication, now I mean both pharmaceutical and natural medicines. Now, I realize that even calling natural medicine is considered a natural medicines, medicines is considered a controversy. Uh, many in the naturopathic world would not even consider their treatments medication. But when it comes to the world of medications on both sides, I would say do your best to find the most effective option for you. Do not concern yourself that it's natural or not. I know that there are many of you out there that simply don't agree, and everyone knows that they're right. My perspective is simple. If it works, then you shouldn't be chastised for your choice by either side of the debate. Research your choices, consult with competent medical professionals, and then begin the process. It might take some trial and error and time, but there are effective treatments for, for everyone, and there is no one-size-fits-all approach. As much as our body chemistries are similar, they are very unique and respond very differently to different treatments. Now, in keeping with that theme of a medication, there are several types of self-medication to avoid. Now, these I can certainly talk about. Illegal drugs, never an answer, although I do understand how one could easily get involved with them. The pain and suffering of depression um, are sufficient to drive anyone to find any type of relief. There are legal drugs that also should be avoided, such as alcohol. Now, speaking of legal drugs, there is one drug with a great controversy about its safety and effectiveness and how it should be used, and that is marijuana. The only thing I can say about that is you should only consider it under the careful watch of a competent person such as a physician. There are a multitude of other types of things that are legal but probably should not be used unless someone who is caring for you knows about it. Depression is no place to decide about addictive substances and self-medication. You need someone who knows what you're taking into your body all of the time, and can make sure you are not headed down a dead-end road. Dead-end roads are often one way with few places to turn around. Now, this person needs to be around you frequently, so a doctor just won't do unless you're married to one. Remember, do your best with the medications. Not every medication works for everyone, and it's going to take some time. Now, I'm going to leave the world of medication and leave it to you. There's a world of good information out there and a world of terrible disinformation out there. And ultimately, it will be up to you to decide for yourself and make that choice.
Now make sure you have someone to help you with treatment options. Depression affects every portion of your personality and mind. You will need someone who knows you and can decide if something might not be best for you or isn't working out and can keep you away from those dead-end roads. Okay, we're done with medication. Now, I had intended to talk about all the things you can do to help your disease, such as sleep and food and exercise, consistent routines, and a variety of other things that help provide your bodies with well-being. But I'm really not going to talk about those things. They're well-documented and will depend upon your specific condition and abilities. The important factor in all of it is to take good care of your body. This podcast is actually really living about living with the mental illness within the gospel. And in that vein, I would like to talk about a few other important factors. The first of these factors is to avoid the quick fixes and the easy solutions. I am not saying there are not easy things you can do to help with the disease. What I am saying is that we have a tendency to want a one-size-fits-all easy solution. We want it gone and over and have a tendency to look for those things that might make it go away easily and quickly, such as a pill. As I have said before, your solution is likely to take some time and effort on various fronts. Looking for an easy answer can be simply dangerous. Most often, these easy solutions depend upon changing chemical factors in the brain, taking medications without taking care of your body, the love drug, looking for the drug found in a new relationship, sexual intimacy, self-medication, and the like. I am not saying that all of these things are bad, but separately, they are not the solution, and often are only quick fixes that cause more distress in the end than the relief that they provide in a temporary basis. There are also several other quick fixes found in various internet sites, and I admit they sound tempting, but in the end, they're not going to keep you where you need to be. You need a long-term solution that will work over the long periods of the depression and the cycles. You will need to work on various fronts and use various techniques to better your life. I know that can sound overwhelming, and a quick fix is certainly beyond tempting when you are in the throes of a deep depressive episode. You will need someone to help you work through a solution and then keep you honestly working towards that goal. But even that person cannot be the only answer. If you're willing to work, then the Lord will help. So find a good friend and begin the journey with the Lord by your side. Now, the second of these factors is beware of the counsel that does not come of the Lord. There are going to be well-intended and some not-so-well-intended people and information come into your life when you are in a vulnerable state. Some of these people may even be professionals that truly believe that they are helping, but may be giving advice and counsel that is simply contrary to what the Lord would have you do. Be wise about your friendships and those with who you would let, well, those who would give you counsel. If you are seeking a counselor, which is very good advice, be sure that your counselor has similar values to the Church of Jesus Christ or is a practicing member. You should not be convinced by a professional's advice to do things out of harmony with the gospel. When receiving counsels from others, I have often found it to be a good practice to allow time for the Lord to respond to the counsel before acting. I know that this can be difficult, but I know that the Lord will let you know what He desires. Be careful of advice from those who don't know your disease. Their messages will be well-intended, but simply sometimes miss the mark. 
Certainly spiritual leaders can help, and you should listen to them and heed their advice, but you also have the right to receive revelation, and they may only actually be able to provide only a piece of the puzzle and not the whole. If you are married, then your spouse has every right to the revelation that you need, and generally, they want the best for you. If you are single, your parents can often be good resources, and they have the right to revelation as well. This is also true even if you're married. In all cases, let the Lord guide you as to who to talk to and with whom to counsel. That person is going to be incredibly important in your life, person or persons. I know that there are a variety of concerns in our lives, speaking of the concerns, that can bring out depression and anxiety. Social ostracization, feelings of doubt, low self-worth, abuse, and many others. Often those issues need resolution as part of the disease and treatment. Do not be afraid of counseling. I realize that in some circles, even some family circles, counseling is looked upon with shame and perhaps weakness. Ignore those who don't know the disease, even family members when it comes to counseling. Obtaining a good counselor with the values with values similar, similar to church doctrine will do wonders for the issues causing depressive episodes. The healing will not likely come all at once, but it will come. Do not set a good treatment aside because of someone who just simply doesn't understand the disease. They will eventually see that the counseling makes a difference. And you may even be able to help someone understand that they could use a little counseling of their own. Now, while there are many causes of depression, one of those that seems to be prominent right now within the church membership is same-sex attraction and other concerns that follow with this sentiment. I understand how difficult it is to have strong feelings in your body that are contrary to revealed doctrine. And the eventual battle between what you feel and what is true I know that current psychological trends are to follow your feelings so that you can express yourself and free yourself from the imposed religion. It doesn't seem fair that you can't be happy being true to the chemicals running around in your brain and being true to your witness of the gospel. Nor do I understand why the Lord allows for this type of spiritual dissection to occur in only certain individuals. What I do know is that true happiness is only found in keeping the commandments of the Lord. And I know that by my experience. Now, you're probably thinking that I've had same-sex attraction in some form. I will admit that bipolar causes your sexual desires to increase significantly to the point that it doesn't matter where you obtain sex. But I was never one to break the law of chastity. It just wasn't in me. But that doesn't mean that I don't understand desires that are contrary to commandments and run deep within the veins, and the great difficulties associated with keeping the commandments, especially when natural chemicals in the body are clouding judgment. So what do you do if your depression is caused by some type of same-sex attraction or sexuality in general? Counseling is a good option. I'm not advocating the type of conversion therapy that an embarrassed parent sends their child to, but I do advocate that you obtain a good counselor that can help you work within the boundaries the Lord has set and help you cope with outside individuals who don't understand, even family members. I know that the feelings and the struggle is as real as any other experience in life, and feelings of attraction are powerful forces. I wish every parent, friend, associate, and anyone who would come in contact would, under would understand, but you're going to find there are many who won't. In the end, I do know one thing. 
that it is the Lord who understands, that part of his atoning sacrifice was to fully understand all the difficulties we face so that he could provide mercy. He will provide help when we need it, including depression, bipolar, same-sex attraction, abuse, and other types of concerns in our lives that cause mental illness. Now that brings me to my third point. Whether you face depression or bipolar tendencies, obedience is the key to bringing forth the Lord's help. Now, I know that you're not likely to have all the correct motivating forces to allow for obedience to be with a pure intent. Let's face it, you probably don't have any desire at times to pray, read scriptures, or even attend church. However, if you can get those emotions, if you can't get to those emotions because of a mental illness, the Lord's not going to hold you accountable to possess them. However, going through the motions will often bring the help you need. It is the method by which we can show the Lord that we are willing to help willing to help ourselves so that he can help us. Reading the scriptures, praying often, trying to listen for the spirit and acting on those promptings as best you can will bring the power of grace into your life. What Elder Bednar and others has referred to as the enabling power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the power you receive for doing what you can on your side to help yourself, then asking for the power of the atonement to bring you the rest of the way. What you may put into your side of things may be quite small, with, given the mental illness, but, that, but it is not the amount of effort that matters, especially when the forces are strong against you. What matters is that you reach out and you do your part as best you can, and then ask for the needed help. When you fight and struggle, then the Lord can intervene. Now you must ask, and, they, and then do your best. And yes, both are required, asking and doing your best. Although I admit sometimes doing your best while you are under covenant is really asking for help. Plead your cause with the Lord. I'm not saying you need to put your name into 70 temples and ask the Lord, ask the world to pray for you. I have often felt this type of asking where quantity seems to rule over quality is not really what the Lord wants. It only takes one well-intended prayer and a little faith to move mountains. What has been my experience? I have prayed much. If I had to say that one of the greatest blessings of the disease has been that it has driven me to my knees so many times. I have prayed honestly and with real intent more times during my depressions than I ever have when the symptoms have eased. I don't believe that a more earnest prayer during difficult times... I don't believe that... Earnest prayer, earnest prayer during difficult times is wrong. Even the Savior did so in the garden. But I do believe that it can help us to focus our minds and our hearts and truly turn them to the Savior. Fourth, be honest with yourself, your companion, and those who have, who have care over you. Your relationships are likely to be strained with mental illness. It will be difficult to form and maintain any type of healthy relationship while the disease is not under reasonable control. I had great difficulty maintaining any type of relationship, as I never really learned how to form them. I was so busy managing myself that I had little time to care for others. A relationship is a two-way street that requires effort by both individuals on a regular basis. Mental illness, especially depression, causes a relationship to be one way and requires one of the people not only to carry their own load, but that of another. This burden can be exhausting even for a short period of time, and taxing to the point that the relationship breaks down. However, there are things that can be done to avoid this breakdown, but honesty is going to be the key 
for both sides to continue to trust one another. Now, both people in the relationship need to be honest about what they're feeling on a regular basis, and that includes the caretaker. If the burden has been too much and you need a little time, then you will need to take that time and provide for the mentally ill to have another caretaker, another individual for a few hours or greater period of time. The mentally ill will struggle a little bit with this, but understand if the caretaker does not manage the situation, it will degrade for both people. And a breakdown of the relationship is the last thing either person needs, especially someone who is in a a depression. The discussion about honesty should be had when the depression is not deep and compounding and before things turn difficult. The two of you, if the two of you need a sign so the words don't actually have to be spoken, then whatever works. The caretaker will also often need somewhere to go and talk and interact with others, including friends and associates, so they can return refreshed and motivated. Now, this will be difficult for someone who is depressed unless they have another person with whom they can turn while this refreshing takes place. It is a good thing for anyone who has had is in depression or mentally ill to have several people to whom they can turn. Just a note, if the caretaker is a spouse or a significant other, they are going to have to take special care regarding relationships they form outside of the relationship with someone who is depressed. Trust doesn't come easily in a normal relationship, and it is far more difficult if depression is involved. The caretaker is married, then avoiding relationships with the opposite sex that might appear to conflict with the marriage is critical. Just remember to be honest with each other on a regular basis, and not the accusing kind of honesty, but the loving kind. Fifth, some final thoughts about treatment. Understand that with depression comes an increased ability for Lucifer to influence your thoughts. Now, I am not sure why this is so, but it is, and I can tell you from experience. Be cautious of your thoughts and do your best to manage them. Lucifer takes great pride and pleasure in your distress and that your thoughts and feelings turn increasingly negative. Feelings of worthlessness, doubt, and pessimism are his tools. They are never the Lord's, especially when somebody deals with a mental illness. Although Lucifer would like you to believe that what he's telling you comes from the Lord. Do what you can to push those thoughts out and understand the Lord would never talk to you that way. Now, given um, messaging and about messages, understand also that music has great power. And the type of music you choose to listen to will teach you its lyrics. Understand that the messages of music are powerful and can cause deep impressions that can take years to undo. I know that mental illness lends itself to music, as music can calm the soul, energize the body, and cause thoughts and feelings to actually change. Music is a powerful method of treatment if used correctly, and can be greatly beneficial to your overall daily routine. Now, I'm not advocating that the Marvin Tabernacle Choir need be the only music group you listen to. What I am saying is to monitor the lyrics and type of music and tailor your listening to songs that provide for a positive message. You are using the music as a treatment. So like choosing a medicine, make sure you're choosing the one that will help. Now I admit, because I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, my music was out of Chicago, easy listening in some country, but there are many choices. Just remember how powerful music can be in your life and how beneficial it can be as a treatment. Now, those are my thoughts for this week. Um, 
we're at time. But as always, remember that the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part. Now, the next episode, I'm going to discuss missionary service and mental illness. And this is going to be a particularly uh, different type of episode. I'm going to relate some of my own experiences having served a mission with bipolar. Now, if you remember from previous episodes, I was undiagnosed on my mission. And so much of my experience was not from a diagnosed perspective, but from believing that everybody felt the way that I did. In any case, I hope you will join us. Thanks.